title of my teaching is Helping Feelings Be Helpful. Now, has anybody ever experienced some feelings that weren't helpful? Kind of seem like, you know, there's all kinds of ways that, that feelings can get us into trouble or at least appear to be. And um, so we're going to talk about God's intention and how they're supposed to work because uh, God made feelings to be wonderful. They're made to enjoy. They're made to help give us information. And so we're going to talk about that and um, so that you can go. If any of you guys are people that dread emotion, do we have any of those people? Like, wish that they would just go away. Um, so if you have anything like that, you can maybe be more excited and look forward to these wonderful things called emotion. You know, it's funny because God, it says, is spirit. And, you know, it's, it's hard sometimes to, like, comprehend the vastness of God and how big God is. He created everything. So it's kind of a big being or entity or, you know. And it says that no one has seen him. He's invisible. But God even describes himself as having emotions, which is interesting, huh? We don't think of it that way. We think of it as being just this unique human thing. So I want to take a look at that. Now, a lot of times people swing kind of wildly from one side to the other, and we're going to look at that, where they either try and, have you ever tried to shove your feelings down and like cut them off and be like, stop it, stop it, that kind of thing? Like trying to stick them in there and ignore them, and that does that work very well? No, it sure doesn't. They tend to, like, rise up and bite in the butt later. And then, so we've got people, we'll talk about why we do this, that, that, or we've all done it at different times, of trying to cut ourselves off from feelings. Or, on the other hand, this might have also gotten you into trouble, letting your life and your decisions be made by feelings. Have you ever had that get you into trouble? Follow, you know, you've heard the thing, follow your heart. That can lead to craziness. You know, just following what you feel like. And we'll talk about that as well. So I'm going to go through some steps of how you can help your feelings be helpful. Step one is allow yourself to have feelings and to pay attention to them. And we'll talk about that. Like, we don't want to do the thing of ignoring them because there's a cost to that. Uh, in Ephesians 4, in verse 17, it says, This I say... Therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk, which are people that, you know, are, don't really know God, in the futility of their mind. We, you know, that futile thinking. And then the way that it describes the futility of their mind, it says in verse 18, having their understanding darkened where you can't see and your thoughts aren't clear, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being, look at this, past feeling, have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. So past feeling, you know, I talked about this a few weeks ago. It's a callousness. It's what happens is our feelings are meant, God intended them, besides being able to enjoy them and making us feel alive and that we care and we're engaged in life, those are some of the value of feelings, but also they're supposed to give us information. It's kind of cool to think of them as being like little flags, little alerts that go ding, 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 something's happening. So, but if you get where you can't feel, where your past feeling 
what happens is it dulls you to being able to take in the information. And you can train yourself to not feel, I did as a young person. You know, my history, I was very, very intensely abused physically and sexually. And in order as a child, and this happens a lot with kids in abusive homes, I just taught myself not to feel. I used to look at my stepfather and just be dead inside and say, you could do anything to me. You could kill me. I, five years old, I remember looking at him going, you could kill me and I won't care because he threatened to kill me. And I would go, bring it. That's how dead I was inside. Now, that helps children during abuse to get through. And maybe some of you here have experienced that, like the, the training yourself to not care, to not feel, to survive those years if you've had some of those traumatic things happen. But here's the problem is if you've trained yourself not to feel what happens is when other hurt comes along, you don't notice it. Other people in your life that have been hurtful, you don't notice it. What happened to me is it allowed me to get into destructive, hurtful relationships and not know that that's what it was. I didn't see the flags. You know, nothing was going off because I was dull. I was dead inside. My heart was dead. Can some of you guys understand that? You just don't see the flags. So that's why we want to, as adults now, that get to make our own choices, we don't want to be dead emotionally. It helps us, as this verse says, when we do that, when you get past feeling to not see, to have your understanding darkened where you can't see what's going on clearly around you. Okay. So we'll look at another one that kind of has similar stuff in 1 Timothy 4 and verse 2. It says, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with hot iron. Now, I want to talk about our conscience because sometimes people tend to think that it's just something that everybody has and it's just there, etc. Conscience seared with a, with a hot iron, what that means is it's, again, same idea, it's burns that you can't feel. A conscience, when it's working correctly, should be, and we're going to talk about the fact that you need to train your conscience. It, you just don't come out of the factory with an awesomely developed conscience. I was brought up in a family that lying was normal. So you know what? I didn't really feel bad lying because that was the norm in our home. Somebody like, hey, tell them I'm not there. You know, somebody calls, I'm not there. You know, tell them I'm sick. You know, I had an alcoholic father, didn't come into work. And so the, it was just everybody covered. Everybody made stuff up. When that's your norm, your conscience, you're not going to feel anything. Your conscience is trained. So we don't want that seared with a hot iron. We want to train it so that it's working. That's why sometimes if we follow our heart and it's just not trained very well, our heart, we're going to talk about how do you train your heart? What is that? Because we get to choose. But we want to be deliberate about it and not be accidental about what lives inside of our heart. You know, when our heart is trained well, then it's helpful to us. Um, it's interesting. So when you're having feelings, you want to be curious and not shame yourself. Have you ever had feelings that you felt like were wrong? Do you know, like, like you were afraid or you were, you know, whatever, you were angry at somebody or, or what have you and shamed yourself. You want to get where, you want to stop the shaming voices about your feelings and just notice what they are. We're going to talk about how to sort them out later, like in this, like later 
like in a few minutes, but <laughs> anyway. But you want to, the first thing is, is it won't work if you just shame yourself about feelings. You just want to be curious and handle yourself kind of gently when you're feeling something. You're just going, oh, interesting. Hmm. Feeling afraid right now. Feeling sad right now, etc. There's um, one thing with the notes um, today on your connection cards, if anybody wants the notes for this. Uh, you can write that on your connection card and we'll email the notes to you. But what also I have that we'll send out with you is I have this sheet that has a list of feelings because sometimes people are so used to not noticing feelings that they can't even say, like, what are you feeling? I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, and you it's just even hard to communicate that. So this is something you want to grow and learn in as far as just being sensitive, but also being able to describe what it is that you're feeling and if there's feelings or not. A lot of times when I ask people, how are you feeling? What are you feeling? Instead of recognizing feelings, people get feelings um, confused with thoughts or judgments. You know, instead of saying, I feel sad, I feel vulnerable, I feel afraid, whatever that is, people will say, I feel like that person screwed me over. Do you know what I'm saying? That's not a feeling. So part of the rule when you're learning to discover feelings is if you can say in your sentence of I feel blank, a lot of times people say I feel and then list thoughts or judgments. If you can replace the words I feel with I think, it's not a feeling. You know, you can't put I think sad, right? That's not a sentence. I think you're screwing me over. I feel like you're screwing me. Do you know what I'm saying? I I those kind of things. So for one, it's just sort of even noticing what's the difference between what your feelings are and how to describe them. Now, part of the thing is, have you ever had a feeling and not known where it ca came from? You ever had like all of a sudden you feel sad or, or and you like, where did that happen? I, it's nothing. I don't know where that's coming from. Your feelings come from your thoughts. So step two in how to make feeling, how to help feelings be helpful is to think about what you've been thinking about. If, so you notice, ding, 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 you notice a feeling, and then you say, hmm, why am I feeling that way? Then what you wanna do is dial the clock back and kind of review, what have you been thinking about for the last hour? What about the last five hours? What about the last day? What about the last few days? Sometimes what happens is if you're so taught yourself to ignore your feelings, ignore your feelings, ignore your feelings, Days can go by where something's eating at you and you don't notice it until it's overwhelming. Have you ever had that happen? So what you want to do is go back and think. If you've trained yourself not to notice, it might be something that has been kind of accumulating over a period of days. So you want to think because your thoughts inform your feelings. So it's very important to take a look at what's feeding that. And then I'll tell you what happens because we want this to be helpful. We want our feelings to work the way that God intended them to work, etc. And let's go to this verse in Proverbs 23. You kind of see this. It says in verse 7, for as he thinks in his heart, what? So is he. Your heart, I want to talk about the, like what your heart, what it speaks about. We think of heart as being emotions, don't we? Kind of. But it's more than that. I mean, definitely our, our feelings relate to, to that. But our heart is the core <coughs> being of 
how we think. It's how we think in our heart, and that's how we train. It's important to train your heart to work where it makes sense, where it's lined up with reality, etc. So we want to notice what are the thoughts we're feeding on because you cannot control emotions. Emotions are automatic. They're a natural reflex. So that's why it's not helpful to shame them. They just are, they're just like a knee jerk. You know when the doctor hits you with the little thing on your knee and you're going, you know, and you're like, that's emotions. But what you do have control over is we all have control over how we think. Not the thoughts that pop in your brain, but whether you dwell on them or not. You get to choose what stays in your brain. And the majority of what you're thinking makes up your heart and how you make all the decisions in your life. We'll see that in another verse. We'll take it uh, in, uh, this is a good one too. The Bible actually has a lot. I'm not even going to come close to going over how much the Bible talks about emotions. Didn't you, did you ever think of the Bible as being your number one resource for understanding feelings? God's the author of life. He understands this stuff. So let's go to Proverbs 4 and verse 23. It says, keep, and that kind of means like watch, like watch. Keep your heart with all diligence. Put effort. Be faithful. Watch it. Pay attention. Do you see? And then it says, why? For, the word for is like why, out of it spring the issues of life. How we live our lives, how our lives are guided has to do with our heart. So you want to watch your heart and be deliberate. How do you train your heart? Your heart is your core beliefs about yourself, about life, about others. It is our conscience, too, is involved in your heart. And out of that defines how we make our, do you see, do you see the impact here? Does it make sense that this is something? And yet, how often do you even think about this stuff, probably? You know, we want to be deliberate with this. It does make a difference. So we've got heart, which makes up our belief, conscience, core, core of what guides us. We want to train, we want to train our heart. Then we have our thoughts, which is how we train our heart, because that's where we get to choose. And then our feelings, which are the signals that tell us something's going on. So do you see the connection? We've got feelings that go ding, 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 something's going on. Think back about what you're thinking about. And we're going to look at, is what you're thinking about, there's a couple things, like what to do about what you're thinking about, because you get to choose. So you've got thoughts, feelings, heart. And step three in this process is to look at, are your thoughts based on reality or not? Because here's what happens. Sometimes your thoughts do not line up with what's really going on for a few things. So that's why it's important to choose what you're dwelling on. It, we want to choose to dwell on reality. Believe it or not, like sometimes we have a tendency to think, you know, it's just sort of like it's all about being positive. We do want to have hope. We do want to have faith. Part of the reality we want to include is that we're not alone. God's in it. That is a part of the reality. That God is for us. God loves us. That's a part of the reality. Have you ever had your thoughts be things like, you thought somebody was attacking you when they weren't, and it was just your insecurities. Do you know what I'm saying? Somebody so said something, they didn't mean anything by it, but you're like, I know they hate me. You know? 
I can tell, you know, and you feed on that. Do you know what I'm saying? So this is sometimes where your thoughts, you want to, that's why you want to look at what am I thinking? Am I thinking that? Am I thinking this person is rejecting me when they're not? And we'll talk about how to sort that out. So, but the, but the, the step three is, are your thoughts based on reality or not based on reality? And you're going to need some help sorting some of that out. Sometimes what happens is you're reacting to something that's a trigger where you're making associations that don't really connect. You have a bad experience with men or with women, and all of a sudden all men are bad or all women are bad. Right? Don't trust them. They're all bad. Those women, they're used, users, those men, abusers, you know, whatever. Do you know what I mean? Like, or uh, all authority figures are bad. I've had people in power take advantage of me over and over and over again. Therefore, anybody that has any authority or power is untrustworthy and will hurt me. Do you see how that's not based on reality? So we want to have where we're not just doing knee-jerk reactions. It even happens where people like get attracted to somebody that is not good because they're trying to heal some old past wound. I'm attracted to somebody that is not connected emotionally because the person I, my mother or father was like that, they were disconnected, weren't there for me emotionally, and therefore those are the people I gravitate towards, thinking if I could win them, that I'm really lovable. So we want to look at, it's really important that we're looking at what is going on in our brain and what we're feeding on it. If you're feeding on things that are not reality, that are fear, Etc. I what if what about this harsh self-talk stuff where you're going, I'm a loser, I can never do well. I'm sorry, I don't care who you are, that is not reality. God's given every person a gift and abilities and long suits of one of a kind. If those are the thoughts in your head that you're feeding your head, I always screw up. I, I'm gonna screw this up. I always do. Not reality, guys. So you want to sort that out, and you're going to need some help with that. And I'm going to talk about feelings that are based on, I'm going to go through a couple scriptures, because have you ever thought of that there's good feelings and bad feelings? Like, you know, the good one, happy, right? Anybody complain about happy? Probably not, right? Happy, we like that. You know, love, does that sound like a good one? Sometimes. We'll talk about when it's not, you know. What about bad ones? Anger? You know, things like that. There are no good or bad feelings. They, they really are just knee-jerk reactions. It's understanding the thinking that led to the feeling. So I'm going to show you a couple of examples of this in the Bible. Sadness. You think sadness is a bad feeling. People usually like, I don't like that one. But it says, there's an interesting one in Mark 10 and verse 22. Oh, yeah. Jesus uh, was talking to this rich young ruler, and, uh, and Jesus told him to give away everything that he had and give it to the poor. Guess what? He was sad. <laughs> it says in Mark 10, 22, it says, but he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. It's interesting. I mean, this one's kind of interesting in a way to me because... If, G, you know, you think about this, it doesn't sound good on the surface. Give away what you've got does not sound like a good, like, oh, I don't like that. I like my stuff. But I have to say, in my experience of Jesus, if Jesus tells you to do something, it's a blessing. 
you might not get what it is exactly, but if you're getting instruction that you, uh, you know, I also think that it was an indicator that he was overly attached to his stuff, which is not a good place to be in your life. If you're overly attached to things, it's going to get in the way of relationships and other things and what life really the, the stuff that actually really matters and makes life rich or meaningful. Because possessions do not make life rich or meaningful, do they? People are a lot of rich people miserable. You know? But he, you can see that his, the sadness came from overvaluing the stuff that he was attached to. We'll see another verse in Ecclesiastes 7 and verse 3. I like this one. It says, Sorrow is better than laughter, for by a sad countenance... The heart is made better. And this gives you the fact that there's good things. It's a sorrow's better than laughter, which, like, really? Which one do you guys like better? Laughter? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sadness? Sorrow? No, not so much. You know what's interesting about this verse of Scripture is, have you ever seen somebody that laughs when there's heartbreak? You know what? Again, it's training your conscience. If you're trying to be happy when they're sad, guess what happens? You're not going to be lining yourself up with feeling the realities of sad things if you're not allowing yourself to experience that, you know, if you've done that. It's, a, it's the whole idea of, like, let's just be happy all the time. When sad, hurtful things come along, you won't notice. It's what we were talking about before. It's always better to connect with what's really going on. And so... It says, sorrow, it's uh, talking about, by a sad countenance, the heart is made better. If you're sad when you're supposed to be sad, it's called grieving. It's a godly thing. To recognize that you really have lost something, that it is a loss, and allow yourself to feel the loss of it, actually helps you heal. It helps you to let go of what wasn't good and helps you to heal and move on. If you're trying to put a smiley face on something that's a pile of poo-poo, you know, it's not helpful. You can label it whatever it is. It still doesn't change that it's a pile of poo. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just, do you see? It doesn't help you line up with reality. It's not helpful. Let's look at another one in anger. You know, we talked about this a, a little bit the other day, too. But, you know, it says God gets angry. It says Jesus was angry about things. Anger is a good emotion. It's right and righteous to feel angry when somebody's been wronged. To feel just to stand up for somebody else. You should feel angry that people are hurt or taken advantage of. That should just rile you up. It's righteous. You know, Jesus says that he, he, there was somebody that he was going to heal. And everybody was sitting there trying to figure out, oh, should we heal? You know, Jesus is going to heal him on the wrong day. And Jesus looked around about them and said, with anger. Didn't go, oh, you poor people. It's just like, it's like you hypocrites. Jesus, this was another one. It says in um, Mark 11, it's a famous one. This is pretty, showing some anger. It says, so they came to Jerusalem and Jesus went in the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of money changers. You always think of Jesus being, bless you. <laughs> Can you imagine he's walking in and he's throwing the tables over? He's a little pissed off, wouldn't you say? It's not polite to do that. 
says, overturn the tables and the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he would not allow anyone to carry wares through the temple. Then he, uh, then he taught, saying, is it not written, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you made it a den of thieves. He's saying this is a place, oh gosh, I just got chills thinking about that. This is a place supposed to be safe for people to worship God, and they turned it into some stupid money-making thing. You know? We'll see some things about anger. We'll see some really screwy anger in uh, Genesis 4 and verse 3. We'll see where it's not based on reality. That was based on righteous anger on reality. You see that? This is anger that you see sometimes that's destructive in Genesis. This is very destructive. In Genesis 5 and verse 3, it says, And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why is your countenance fallen? Poor dude. Maybe not. In verse 7 it says, if you do well, will you not be accepted? So this is really interesting because it says that they brought, both brought offerings. The distinction that we see between Cain's offering and Abel's offering is Cain was, it just said he brought it. So not a lot of detail given. It looks like Cain's checking off the box to do what he's supposed to do. And it says Abel brought the first fruits, which is what it talks about as far as honoring God. The Bible talks about honoring God with the best of what we have, that our best should be for God. And so Abel does that. Abel's like, here's the very best of what I have as an offering before God. So God accepts, you know, it's, it doesn't give a lot of detail, but he accepts Abel's and not Cain's. And he says, and Cain's just so mad. And we're going to see how crazy mad he gets. And God's like, if you do well, yours is going to get accepted too. Like, it's the rules are the same for both of you guys. What are you so mad about? You know, you ever get blamed, like, you know, and we've all been this, and this is, you know, darker side, where you've gotten really angry because at other people and blame them when you're the one that fell short. You know, and you're, you're blaming the circumstance, you're blaming, you know, you're late for work, but you left without some cushion. Traffic, the damn traffic, you know what I'm saying? You're supposed to leave early enough. Uh, traffic wasn't created yesterday. Everybody knows about traffic. So if you didn't leave early enough, guess whose fault that is? You know? Get really, really hostile and mad and, you know, come to work spitting nails or something like that. Or wherever you go. Blaming others. So that's what God's saying. Like, if you do well, you're going to be accepted too. The rules are the same. The sun shines on the just or the unjust. And it says, and if you do not... Do well, sin lies at the door. And its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. The thing is, is we want to keep in check the out-of-control behaviors in our life. And verse 8, it says, Now Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass that when they were in the field, Cain rose up against Abel his brother, and what? Killed him. That's anger out of place. That's what happens when, do you see how it's, we got emotion here. 
But instead of Cain being lining up with reality going, hey, I could bring an offering too and have it be accepted, he's getting furious with Abel for doing the good offering. So much so that he murders his brother. That's why follow your heart, guys, Does that is insane, isn't it? Seriously, who says, people say this all the time, just follow your heart. I'm sorry, that's crazy. That is out of control behavior. You're going to act like you're three years old and be all, ah, you know, like out of control emotions. Follow your heart, geez. <laughs> Stupid. Notice, but just let that run what you do. Yeah, that's what Cain did. So anger, Proverbs 16, 32, it says, he who is slow to anger, so it's slow to anger is the big key here. Don't get angry. Anger is good, but just take your time. It should be deliberate. It shouldn't feel like some just reactive, out-of-control thing if you're angry. Be slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes his city. Then in Ephesians 4, verse 26, it says, be angry, anger is, but sin, and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. The other part is, get angry slowly and get over it quickly, you know, for anger. What about love? We always, you know, it's interesting. We always think of love as being the good one. What about falling in love? So many times people fall in love and don't even know why. That's kind of crazy too. If you have no control over who you fall in love with, I mean, obviously, the love of God, agape, you can love everybody with that love. God commands us to do it. But falling in love, have you ever fallen in love with a crazy person? Not hard to do, is it? How does that happen? It's the same thing. You have all these emotions, but you're not looking at how you're feeding your mind. You're not watching it. You're feeding your mind. If you fall in love with somebody crazy, guess what happened? Is you're sitting there, you don't even know that person very well, and you're feeding your brain all these elevated things that you don't even know. Oh my gosh, they have wonderful hands, and they smell so good, and they say such sweet things, or they're so hot, or, you know, whatever, like... You elevate the positive qualities and just go, and you're not in reality of, hey, I just met this person, I've only known them a short time. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's reality. You don't really know somebody. You can't know somebody until you've seen somebody behave over time in many circumstances, correct? You just don't know. You don't know what's coming. So part of it is like falling in love based on not reality is not good for you and can hurt affect things and be actually hurtful. What about falling out of love with your spouse? If, that, if you just follow what you're feeling. Part of this is to stay married, guys, if any, you know, is focusing on elevating their good qualities and not feeding on contempt or things like that. Or falling with, in love with somebody else while you're married. According to the movies, that's just an awesome thing. You're married to somebody, hey, but you weren't really meant to be. You were really meant to be with this other person. I used to follow those things. I used to be one of those people. I fell in love with so many stupid people when I was married to my first husband. It's insane. If you just let that, and, and it was like the teaching. Honestly, people believe the movies. I wasn't meant to be with this person. 
If, you, if somebody's attracted to you while you're married, I'm sorry, they're not a trustworthy person. If you're attracted to somebody else while you're married, you're not a trustworthy person. Falling in love with somebody that's married or vice versa, you are not trustworthy. Let that person work out. If you're supposed to be together somehow, let them work out and grieve and move on. Or ah, It doesn't work that way. Never mind. But I know it happens. Like, you know, I got, I got divorced and went through that. And that was, it's not God's intention or will. Sometimes if you're in danger or, or being abused, you know, and nothing's changing, sometimes you do need to step away from these situations, you know. But the thing is, is um, you want to fall in love where character is there, not just emotion. So anyway, step four, this is our last step. If it's not based, what, what to do with the thoughts that you're having? So you notice your thoughts, you're allowing yourself to have feelings, noticing the feelings, not shaming yourself. Number two is think about what you're thinking about. Number three is, are your thoughts lined up with reality or not? And then step four, what to do with those thoughts? If it's not based on reality, get help to line up with reality. It says in um, 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 4, it says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. You know, it's not following your heart, folks. It's following God's word. You want to train your heart and train your conscience? Train it to see God's word. God's word is truth. God's word is reliable. We want to know God's word. As we know what God says, that's how we want to train our heart. That's how we want to see whether you're in a safe place or not a safe place. That's something reliable that's not movable. That's how you want to train your conscience and your heart. So every thought that you have that contradicts what God says needs to go. Saying things like, I'm a loser, I can't do anything. No, my Bible says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen? We want to confess what God's word says. Not our fears, not our insecurities, not our lies, not our blaming. Take ownership for the things that we do, etc. Bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. That should be our guide, not our heart. But we want to train our heart more and more to be in alignment with God's word, where that's how our thinking, that's how we make our decisions, that's how we sift things out, whether things are reality or not reality, that that's the scope we want to look at things with, because it works. It says the weapons of our warfare, because it says that we're in a spiritual warfare. It says Satan is the god of this world. It says Satan throws fiery darts, and guess what? Satan... One of his biggest things is he's the accuser. He is going to attack you with thoughts of things where you get stuck in shame, where you get stuck in unworthiness. Those harsh self-talk things are from the devil. You don't want to believe that stuff about you. If there is negative stuff, you want to take it in with love and grace. That's what God says. 
It's not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Strongholds are in our minds. We want to pull the lies down. The strongholds are like a fortress in our minds. That's where the spiritual battle takes place. We want to pull down lies that we've held on to for years. It says, casting down arguments and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Anything that's just like, God doesn't like you. He's mad at you. You didn't go to church last Sunday. He's really mad. He's not going to answer your prayers. I'm sorry, it's a lie. God doesn't say that. Satan wants you to believe that. Didn't go to church Sunday. Hmm. God's really disgusted with you. That's a lie from hell. It's not the truth of God. Okay, so if it's based, so we want to get help to line up with reality from God and others and definitely God's word. Then if it is based on reality, you know what? The serenity prayer is a perfect solution for that. If it is based on reality, there's two options. One can, can you, well, the question is, if it's based on reality, the question is then, can you do something about it? If your thoughts are real thoughts, whatever it is, this person hurt me, they took advantage of me, etc. Are they based on real thoughts or not? Can you do something about it is, is the question then, if it is real. If, if the answer is no, I can't do anything about it, serenity prayer, accept the things I cannot change is grieve the loss and move on and recognize your powerlessness over the situation. I've got this person I'm in relationship with. They won't change. There's no movement. Time to let go, maybe. If the answer is, can you do something about it? The answer is yes. Serenity prayer. Courage to change the things I can. Asking for help with that. Help. We need help to let go. We need help to change. Get help from either one of those options from God or others. Okay, so I want to review the steps, and if you guys want the notes, just on your connection card, put notes, and we'll email you this along with the emotion list. How to help feelings be helpful. Does, is it making a little bit more sense now, this stuff? You guys are going to enjoy your emotions maybe a little more? Not shame yourself? Okay. Step one, how to help feelings be helpful. Allow yourself to have feelings and pay attention to them. No shaming. Like, mm, be curious, gentle. Oh, interesting. Wonder what that's about. Hmm. I'm feeling something. Step two, think about what you're thinking about to, to notice why the feelings are coming up. What have you been focusing your brain on? And if you're used to ignoring feelings, you might have to go back and review what you've been thinking about for the last few days. You know, it might be three or four days worth of stuff that you've been kind of thinking about. Step three, is it based, your thoughts based on reality? If it is, get, or... Is it based on reality? To figure out if it's based on reality, get help from God, the Word of God, and others in the body of Christ to get help figuring out if your thoughts are based on reality. Step four, what to do with the thoughts. If it's, based on, if it's not based on reality, get help to line up with reality. Lead captive every thought. If it is based on reality, can you do something about it is the question. If no, accept the things I cannot change, grieve the loss and move on, recognize you're powerless, and you need help to do that. That's what the body of Christ is for. If yes, the courage to change the things you can, get help from others for any of those situations. So, God is, God's so cool, right? He knows about like all these, like life works. God's word has got answers, guys. It's just so exciting. Um,
Anyway, uh, let me close with prayer. And if uh, anybody's not signed up for a fellowship too, we still have one fellowship that started a week late. So demystify the Bible if you want to understand the Bible better. Plug into a fellowship. So let me close with prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for feelings. I really enjoy them. It feels great to be alive. There was a time in my life where I was so dead inside, and that sucked. Being alive is awesome. Being alive and being able to care and engage my heart. Uh, even being alive enough to be sad feels great and alive. Uh, God, I thank you for that. Just help us all. Help us all to line up our thoughts with you, God, that we get to the place that it's your word that trains our heart. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.